Fire Up Radio, and today we are so lucky. We have Trevor Muir from Michigan, and he is all over the internet. If you've watched his Facebook videos, and we'll put a link in the section below, he is amazing. So today he's going to talk to us about a few things. He does a lot with storytelling, and he does a lot with project-based learning. So I'm going to talk to Trevor here a minute, and I'm going to have him tell us a little bit about his experience with project-based learning. Welcome, Trevor. Hey, Dorothy. Thanks for having me here. Excellent. We are thrilled, and I'm so excited for you because we found out that now you are a full-time consultant going out on your own all over the country and world. Yeah, I mean, well, so I'm, I'm still teaching at the college level, but I was really, you know, just felt like I love being in the classroom, and I love finding new ways to innovate and work with kids, and get them excited about being at school and doing real work that actually matters to them. And every time I got the opportunity while I was teaching to talk to other teachers about how do you do this and you know how do you um, get students excited about the content and, and doing things that really, really matter to them, that they would take it back to their own classrooms and just do work that would blow the walls off of whatever we talked about. And I just want to do more and more of that and get more teachers inspired to do this kind of work with kids. You're definitely inspiring educators um, throughout the country. I know that for a fact. And I've been in your classroom and I've watched you inspire those students. So mm-hmm. you do a great job with them. Tell me a little bit about how you got started with project-based learning. And so a teacher's thinking of doing that, or they might be doing it, and how do they improve on that? Give us a little bit about project-based learning. Well, it's so funny. So I went in to be a teacher because I really wanted to build relationships with kids. I mean, that I, I actually I wanted to be a youth pastor before I wanted to be a teacher. And then somewhere along in college, I got this idea that, like, you know what? You could build relationships with students. And so that was at the heart of why I wanted to become a teacher. It had very little to do with pedagogy and how I would actually do it. I mean, I, I kind of imagined that I would be one of my favorite teachers from when I was in high school. His name was Mr. Peters, and he was so great at building relationships with kids. But then I think about the content side of his class, and it was admittedly probably a little boring. It was very traditional, but I loved him as a person. And so that's what I thought I was going to do. And then I got into my student teaching, and I started getting exposed to some other ways of getting kids engaged in the classroom. And at the very end of that of student teaching, I had this opportunity to go work in a school that was all project-based learning. And I'd never heard of project-based learning before. I mean, honestly, I'd never heard of it. And my entire time in college, that word never came up. Um, but I really needed a teaching job. And this was a, during a time when there was no teaching jobs. And so I, I applied. I got the position. And, and I, I found out that school doesn't have to take place in rows necessarily. I found out that the teacher doesn't have to be at the center of the learning experiences, that, that there could be real conflict and real problems that students have to solve and, and we, can, we can make the learning all about solving those problems and getting kids engaged and stuff more than just whatever it is that they were going to have to learn anyway. And so my, a whole world opened up to me working there. Um, and now I'm, just, I'm still just impassioned by it. And I want other people to know that there's other ways to do this. I've been lucky enough to see some of your projects in action, but could you explain one or describe one or give us an example of one that you've used? Yeah, you know... My, my grandpa fought in World War II, and, and it, it was just the pride of his life to be able to talk about it with his kids. And, and I loved hearing about it, but then when I was 18 years old, he passed away. And nobody ever wrote his stories down. Nobody ever, even though we had cameras by then, nobody ever filmed him talking about it or recorded it. So that was really heavy on my heart that, wow, now that he's gone, so is his story. And so 
with my students, we went to a retirement home here in our in our city, and we interviewed World War II veterans. And we they took out their phones or their parents' cameras, and they filmed the interviews. And we took them, and we turned them into mini documentaries. And we had this huge red carpet event, and we invited all of the World War II vets to come and sit in the front row and watch the films that our students created. And, and that's what our students created. That's how they learned about World War II, not from me lecturing about it, not even just from a textbook. They learned it from people who were actually there. And they helped solve this problem. How do we make sure that we don't lose these stories when World War II veterans inevitably pass away? We record them. We capture them. We give them to their families. And while they're doing this, we're going to read books like Night by Ellie Wiesel and, and dive into that content. And we're going to cover our Common Core English standards. And we're going to still look at the history content. And we're still going to take tests on it and all the very traditional stuff. But now we're not learning World War II because I said so as a teacher. We're not doing it because the state of Michigan mandates it. We're doing it so we can capture stories so that they don't go away ever. Um, and, and that's at the heart of what this project was about. That's authentic learning. What an amazing experience for the students to connect the generations mm. and the recognizing those veterans is just a fantastic service. So. Yeah, it's bigger than the classroom, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. And, and that's why my project-based learning, I, I try to focus on what's the story being told in the classroom. That's why I call it epic project-based <laughs> learning because it's actually a story unfolding. You know, our students are introduced to a problem. World War II veterans are passing away and so are their stories. How can we do something to solve it? So now our students are the heroes of this journey. They're the ones who are trying to figure out how do we solve this conflict that's introduced to us. And then they're on this journey to actually do it. And in the midst of that, I'm their guide, right? Like I'm not just their teacher. I'm guiding them along to help solve the problem and also making sure they, they get the knowledge and content that they need. So that brings me to how do you monitor that student progress? Because some educators will say, I can't do this in my classroom. We have two of a traditional setting. But how, when you're doing these projects, are you monitoring that student progress along the way to make sure they're hitting those standards and doing the assignments that they need to do? Well, that, that's why I always say, like, you know, I think project-based learning is a great tool. It's not the end all. It's not like it has to be this new curriculum you adopt that everything has to fall in line with it. It's a tool to help enhance what you're already doing. And so that's why I think any teacher can do this. You know, I spent my first um, several years working at this very project-based learning school, and then I went to a traditional setting where it was not set up for project-based learning, but there was a, a staff, a leadership that wanted more of this authentic learning experiences. And I'm happy to report that it works there as well. Um, It's just about finding ways to make what you're already doing authentic. And so, you know, when I'm teaching students grammar, I do it in that project. Our students have to create subtitles for their documentaries so that everybody can understand what's being said when it's up on the big screen. Well, the first year we did this project, the subtitles had terrible spelling and grammar, and I just didn't consider it because I just had never done it before. And after the event, everybody was like, those were great. Thank you for doing this. The veterans were like, that was wonderful teach. But man, do you need to teach those kids how to spell, right? Like, or man, do, do your students know that you're supposed to capitalize I when it's by itself? And I'm like, oh, no. And so now when, when I do that project or when I did that project, we, we dive grammar into it. And we're practicing spelling and grammar and all the stuff that we were going to do anyway in my English classroom. And we're still doing worksheets and there's some direct instruction and all that. But now it's for the purpose of having accurate subtitles in the films. The authenticity is what's driving this traditional learning that's happening. So I think any teacher can do it. You still get to teach the way you know how to teach best, 
but now there's a conflict that makes the story meaningful to students. There, there's something important and authentic that makes them want to learn grammar or writing or math or whatever it is that they're learning. You're constantly growing as a teacher, and that's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Tell us what epic learning is, Trevor. We hear a lot about epic learning from you on Facebook and social media. What is epic learning? There, there's something called neural coupling. That it's this, this neurological phenomenon that shows that when you hear a really well-told story, your brain is firing in the same way that the storyteller's brain did when the story actually occurred. It, it, actually, on a subconscious level, your brain doesn't know that you weren't actually a part of that story. And the, the change is permanent. That's, stories have this unbelievable power to engage us and shape our brains in permanent, transformative ways. And so what epic learning is, is it's using those elements of story that actually shapes the way you think and shapes the way that your brain interacts and, and responds to information. Um, and so epic learning is about how do I shape experience of students into an actual story? So there's a defined beginning, middle, and end. There's, there's actually conflict and there's, there's working your way to actually solving it. And then there's reflection afterwards. So that when students think back on a learning experience, they're not just thinking back to a unit with a bunch of information that was thrown at them. They're thinking back to, an to a story that unfolded. Um, and there's, there's significant research that says that when they're doing that, their brains are being shaped in permanent transformative ways. Um, so epic learning is really my take on project-based learning, but tying in the, story, the elements of story in everything that students are doing. Well, Trevor, you're definitely engaging and you're pulling me in with your conversation here, the way you're telling the story of PBL and Epic Learning. But, and I know you're working with teachers in their classrooms, and I know that's what you're doing now throughout you know, the country. Tell us, could you end this um, podcast with some tips for these teachers that don't have you right there along with them? Maybe they will. You know, Maybe you'll be in their classroom someday. But right now, what are three tips that you'd give these educators out there to get started with PBL and to continue to grow that PBL? So three tips for these educators. Yeah, I, I think the first thing to do is just to be reading up on it. You know, find out more information about PBL. I think there's a lot of misconceptions about it. Um, one of them is that students aren't learning content. You know, I, I'm not a huge fan of standardized tests, um, but I'm also a realist and I know that they're there and I know that, that they're important for getting kids to the next level and all that. And so I, th I think there's this misconception that if our students are doing project-based learning or epic learning, they're not getting ready for tests. And that's just actually not true. You know, go look up the Buck Institute or the New Tech Network. They've got a lot of research to show that students are actually more prepared for college and are scoring higher on these standardized tests when the learning is actually meaningful. So I would suggest that teachers do, do some reading and some research about it. Um, the second thing is try to plan out a project. You know, just sit down when you have some time during planning period and try to figure out what could a, a community connection I could make with this. If I'm teaching my students Romeo and Juliet, what's a way that I could make this text realistic and real for my students? You know, my students, Romeo and Juliet's a tough one, um, but I figured, you know what, my students love YouTube. And this generation of kids love the idea of viral, going viral or fame. So what if we film the, their readings and we put it on YouTube and that's our professional audience? That's a way of making it realistic and come alive for students. And so I would suggest to teachers find a way to tie some type of authenticity into whatever students are doing. And, and just plan it out and see how that looks. And then number three is just try it. You know, just give it a shot and it might not go great. And usually when I give project examples like the World War 
to one that I told you about. I'm usually only sharing like the year four example of it when it went really good and it was all wrapped up and there was a pretty bow on it and it went perfectly, which happens after about four years of trying something. First year, it doesn't usually go that great. Um, but luckily, I've had people pushing me to like say, you know what? Yeah, there was a lot of comments on the subtitles. Next year, make sure you tie grammar into it. Next year, iterate and do it better. And so I would just say, try it. Give it a shot. Um, you know, Find out more about it. Do some good planning. That's important. But then give it a shot and see where it goes. Because um, I'm telling you, it, it's totally transformed the way I see what school looks like. And I love doing it. My students love it, but so do I. And I feel like if you're not loving what you're teaching, then there's no way you're going to get your students to. Right? Absolutely. You have done a great job with this podcast, Trevor, and you've admitted that you had mistakes along the way is what I appreciate. It didn't go always as planned. So thanks for sharing that information. And I know you're out there to be a cheerleader and a guide for all these other people that need help with anything in the classroom. So you can reach out to Trevor on his Facebook page. The notes are in the bottom of the podcast and on Twitter as well. So uh, we appreciate Trevor's time today. Thank you very much, Trevor. Well, thanks for having me, Dorothy.